Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The award-winning Crunch Time. Nick Dacos. Doing something different. A little bit of aqua in it from 50. Good strike. Nick Dacos pulls out the one wood and monsters it down the middle for his second. Cameron did it well. Then a good handball to Goey, who pierces one to the top of the square. Frampton strolls in and doesn't miss. Goal umpire just had to move a little to the left. Thompson up into the pocket. It was shut down well by Gerard. But he's infringed on Johnson. Deep in the left forward pocket. Oh, he makes that fit in the most spectacular fashion. Mitchell chucks it on the boot. But Lipinski backing back. Just got one in the eye from Dale for good measure. Directly in front. Hoicks it. Gives it everything. And it got there. From 53 out. Plenty of players here. They fly off hands. Daniel, and there's the siren. A massive roar across Marvel Stadium. They've had a bit thrown at them tonight. Not in their natural habitat either of Marvel Stadium that Collingwood pulled through by two goals. Yeah, we went into the game thinking it was going to be a high stoppage game and um, the opposition are really good at that part of their game. And, um, yeah, we, we, we won the score, scores from stoppage battle, which is um, yeah, something that Hayden Skipworth and um, Scott Selwood done a great job this year getting that part of our game going. So credit to those guys. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're here to bank wins. That's, we're in the, in the business of qualifying, and um, as every team in the competition are, so these wins are really important. On a night where old and new in black and white are celebrated, Collingwood sees off another challenger to maintain their hold on the competition. The Pies are overcoming personnel issues, a slow start, and some of the Bulldogs' best footy, and they saluted at a packed Marvel Stadium. Waiting at the back was Floston, fell to Malikin, his handball inboard looking for Cunningham, but it's pressure from Bolton, and then it's spilt to Graham, runs to centre half, forward, kicks it long, no one home, could bounce through, it's bouncing, it's bouncing, it's bouncing, scores a level! Ball spins back into play, Nankervis won it cleanly, just slicing his shoe at it, it was Bolton, charging into an open goal, Graham, conceal it! Yeah, we spoke about it just briefly then, like the guys... You know, we've obviously had some challenges late, late in games over the past couple of years, so uh, we've put a fair bit of work into that space. And, and ultimately, I've said this before, it's about leaders and people just standing up in the final moments, and, and our guys were really able to do that tonight. As the rain was falling on Thursday night, Richmond's finals hopes were rising. Interim coach Andrew McQualter engineers a telling turnaround to breathe new life into the Richmond season and in the process, perhaps, sucking the air out of Sydney's campaign. Stuart Jew hasn't been told, and I'm not sure where it's standing at board level, but my firm belief is that a decision will be made within the next few weeks, or certainly by the end of the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen by the end of July. And my equally firm view is that Damien Hardwick 
will ultimately be the coach of the Gold Coast Suns. So I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach, contracted for this year and next year, does a good job of being contracted well in the future. What is going on with Clayton Oliver and the rehab program, the never-ending rehab program? I can't remember an injury that has been managed this poorly because the transparency from the football club has been a disgrace. And the sun gets a little hotter up on the Gold Coast as the heat once again rises around the future of Coach Stuart Jew. Meanwhile, the most bizarre absence in footy continues with Clayton Oliver's layoff extending into a sixth game. This is the Round 17 edition of Crunch Time. Well, the Ashes sit on a knife edge over in the UK, but the AFL ladder is our version of Headingley. 16 and a bit rounds in, only a game and a half separating 7th from 15th, and the stakes are getting higher by the week. Sam Edmonds sitting in once again for Jared Waitley. We are amongst friends this morning at the Berwick GWM Havel dealership, part of the Berwick Motor Group. We're already on very good terms, but the cinnamon donuts on offer have certainly sweetened the deal. Not Luke, left. Luke Hodge is with <laughs> us via correspondence. Hodge, good morning to you. Morning, Sammy. Well, wasn't last night a ripping game to watch? Good old Friday night football turned it on again with the Bulldogs jumping out of the box. They played some exciting football. Eugle Hagen continues to develop. He looks like a key centre-half forward these days. But as we've seen so many times over the last 18 months, Collingwood just flex their muscles with a star-studded lineup, and, and we're too strong again. Dermot Brereton has wandered along as well. We've had to drag him away from the fleet of cars here on Offer Dermot and the Cinnamon Donuts too for good measure. Welcome to you. Morning, boys. Yeah, I'm with Hodgie. It was a fantastic display. Uh, and I agree with, with Luke. Eugle uh, Hagen played in the losing team, only kicked two. He was the best forward on the ground last night. He looked dangerous. Uh, and he's, he's come on in leaps and bounds. He showed signs in the past. Luke and I had a disagreement about the way he should have made progress. That was last year, I think. Uh, but what he's shown in the last two weeks has elevated our estimations of what he can be. But that's on the positive for the doggies, positive for the magpies. Let's not start now because that'll take us through to one o'clock. <laughs> they are seriously good. And it's great to have this man back. Great contribution last week. Riley Beveridge from AFL.com today. You, Riley, hello. G'day, boys. Great to be here. It's, we're going to see two stars of the competition for the next decade, I reckon, last night. in Jamar, as you mentioned, also Nick Dacos. They, they could be uh, 1A and 1B for, for 10, 12 years to come. They were fantastic last night. And, it's going to be great to see their careers develop. Hodgie, how are we to assess what took place under the lid last night? We shouldn't forget the old-timers running around because it was old and new in black and white that was celebrated. Scotty Pendlebury doing what no man has ever done before. Yeah, well, I think if you look through their, their list, and we talk about Nick Dacos, but I was going to say a lot of last night was about Scotty Pendlebury um, breaking the, the record for, for most touches ever. And if you look through the list, taking over Robert Harvey, Gaz Jr., uh, there was Brent Harvey, and I'm missing one other. Uh, on there, uh, which I've slipped my mind, but you look through that list and they were, were quality players, uh, durability, um, and just how much of an impact he's had. There's been, over his career, he's been in the top three of their best and fairest 14 times, and 10 of them have been in final series. So you sort of look through and go, how good is that bloke? And he's not slowing down either. He's, he's signed on for next year, I think, and, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he's going to be the person who tells them when he's going to stop, not the other way around. 
You might have left off the great KB. Kevin Bartlett sits, How could uh, I forget sits that? fourth, fourth all-time. Just, yeah. just before my time. Just before my time. Sorry, KB. <laughs> he sits fourth all-time. He sits fourth of all-time. Yeah, 402 games for a KB, and, and Scotty Pendlebury obviously played a few less than that. But, but uh, the thing is with KB, that's in an era... Like, they're getting... What's the average now? 380 to about 410 possessions per team per game. Mm. KB's era was around 230 possessions per game. So he's getting 25s and 30s when the possession count was halved. That, he played now. KB's up to about 25,000. <laughs> in, in fairness, he only handballed when it was to himself, though, wasn't it? Very rarely yeah. he'd give it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had four handballs in, in those several thousand possessions. But that's, that's staggered me. It's a good number. 9,100 But, 9, he, but let's be honest... It, it, they were getting 230 possessions mm. a game, and he's a regular 25-plus. Kicked a few snags, too, that's, for good measure. That's 40. That's equivalent to 40-plus more regularly than not in this current era. So 9,151 for a career that went from 1965 to 83, 402 games, and obviously... Uh, Does it have an average there? What he got? 22.7. In, 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 uh, when they were getting 230, 240 possessions a game. Yep. So the, you extrapolate that out to now. That's 40-plus. He's yeah. averaging 40-plus. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're going to go down in history with, with this sort of number, it obviously points to longevity, and not just longevity, but consistency yeah. of performance over that long period of time, Hodgie, as well. But how were the pies able to turn it around because gee whiz the dogs were swinging from the rafters early they were landing a lot of blows and then it all changed after the main break yeah they, they jumped out to a 3-1 lead for the doggies and normally what teams in today's day and age do is they think oh hang on they've got the run of the mill let's just slow slow it down compose yourself let's kill a little bit of time out of the clock just to try and get momentum back on our way Collingwood don't think like that. Collingwood don't have a slow-down mentality whatsoever. That What they did almost, they, they said, let's run harder. Let's go faster. Let's take the game on more and see if we can break him at this breakneck speed. And, and that's what they did. Um, Dacos, Dacos early on, I know we, it seems like we're repeating this every week, but he had six clearances in the first 15 minutes and Western Bulldogs had six clearances as a team. Um, but what, what, what I like about Collingwood and, and what everyone does is the excitement to play, but you think you've got Quainer off the half-back line who had eight intercept marks. That's where they get a lot of drive from. You've got both Dacos. Both Dacos are playing, having outstanding seasons, but all of a sudden you can go and start a Brownlow medalist on the bench. That You bring in Dugowie after three weeks suspended and they start Tommy Mitchell on the bench and then Pendlebury comes off for a break. Tommy Mitchell goes straight back in. So no matter where you look in that team, they go from strength to strength. There's no weaknesses through there and the, the, the game style, look, their, their key tools don't have a lot of impact. You look through Cox and Cameron, they're not done Frampton, they're not taking big contested marks, but they don't need to. All they have to do is make a contest, bring it to ground, so those whippy fast blokes can play to their strengths. And, and look, it's, it's such a, a quality side that are working together. Who's the key, keystone, Hodgie? For, for the Collingwood. Collingwood. I mean, there's the sum of all parts. They're got some wonderful players all over the field but if if you've got one name to circle in red ink in the opposition team meeting who do you circle Darcy Moore he, he's someone who and because I think as, as I sort of said before is you you take Tommy Mitchell and you start him on the bench you take the goey out and they still have impact Scotty Penderbury's moved aside a little bit Nick's still learning the caper their defense is solely put Quick around learner. Darcy Moore 
What's that? <laughs> he's a quick he's, learner. Oh, he is a quick learner. <laughs> but, and, that, and that's my point of view. He, he sets up a lot. You, you see him out there. And, and anyone who just wants to go and watch the football, go and watch Darcy Moore play. Yes, he looks after his bloke, but he's controlling the people around him. He sets up that defence. Um, so, yes, there's, there's a lot of midfielders that are probably getting more numbers than... They're definitely getting more numbers than him, but for the impact that he has in and around that side, if you can negate him, take him away from his strength by setting blokes up, he's been able to do it without... Uh, Jeremy Howe, I think he's someone who is just so important for that side. Um, but <laughs> they, you look through their defence, they've got a pretty handy defence if he does miss yeah, a game but, or two. And, and for all of that, though, Dermy, he had his hands full, particularly in the first hour mm. last night, Darcy Moore. Jamara was clunking him, Aaron Norton was clunking them. Cody Waitman, that Isaac Quainall matchup we'll circle back to. That was a great game within a game. But, gee, Darcy Moore was pushed to his limits at times last night. There's, there's no doubt that... When Collingwood are pushed, it's when they make Darcy Moore do something he doesn't want to do, and that's purely defend. His great gift to this team and asset is his ability to see the incoming ball, peel off his man, and go to the drop of the ball and turn it into a two-on-one, a 3 v to that, so he, he makes the outnumber, and they're so brave at pushing the ball forward, and they all mm. just fall in behind and keep swarming forward. It got to a stage last night where most times in in AFL we look at it and go, "Oh, don't turn the ball over in your back line. Don't turn it over in your back line because the opposition get a, a shot at goal, and that's you, you feel edgy about that with some teams against Collingwood. When you take the ball into your forward line, their back line, you're that edgy because you know that they will just swarm forward off that. And what do forwards love? They love everybody up in the congestion of the midfield, back half midfield. And when Collingwood swarm out of their back line after they've turned it over from you, you've got space in your forward line. Mm. And you just know that that's... That's you, you can't stop it. It's a tsunami, isn't it? So it, six goal to one. It is one. the actual yeah. tsunami. You, I, I, I know we've go through the stats and roles. You can show us all that about scoring from stoppage, scoring mm. from the back half, and and the likes. But I and stoppage is obviously clearly important. But I thought once the ball exited stoppage got to the outer, peri- outer perimeters of stoppage, like 10, 12 metres, boundary line throwing, ball drops to the ruckman. You draw a ring about 10 to 12 metres outside mm. that. Once it got to that and it was in the hands of the doggies, it was still game on. It still could be defended, that ball. Once it got to the outside of that outer ring mm. and it was in Collingwood hands, it's a way to the races. Yeah, You can't defend it. You're just relying on hope that your one-on-one down back might be able to stop an Elliot in space, a, a Bobby Hill running back with the mm. ball, a McCreary explosion with the ball. You just can't stop them when they get yeah. to the outside. Well, and that, that's the hardest thing. Go, Rolly. I was going to say, I was up in the Gold Coast this week and I spoke to a few of the Suns boys who played them last week and obviously got run off the park against them and they just said they've never played against a side that moves the ball as quick as what Collingwood does off half-back. Yeah. And as you mentioned... With, that, with all that congestion, if you are trying to lock the ball in your forward half, it's two kicks. There was countless times last night as well where it's two kicks, it's over the back, it's Bobby Hill running into an mm. open goal. They can move the ball from D50 to, to offensive 50 in, in 15, 20 seconds, which very few teams in the competition can do. And, and with that as well, the, ball, the Bulldogs at times did a really good job to slow them up. But one thing you know about Collingwood is as soon as someone gets held up, 
the work ethic and the um, and the run from behind. So Dacos is always on the side. Then you've got Queenie coming from behind. They always have someone left or right that if they do yep. get held up, it's a quick little handball, and then Queenie will, uh, will come zipping through and, and free something up. It's They just always work. People, people think it's risky because if they turn the ball over, then they've left forwards up the other end maybe free. But... In Collingwood's mindset, it's run to support. And then if we've got enough numbers at the contest, then we're going to get away with it. And it's proving to be a pretty good tactic for them so far this year. Yeah, and John Noble's been so important as well down there, hasn't he? It's easy to get caught up in it, isn't it? Even when you're wearing an opposition jumper, Riley. So we all love the Caleb Poulter story. It is amazing. Maybe <laughs> old habits died hard. He went the wrong way. He did. It was actually it was pretty incredible. I haven't seen that for a while when you go the wrong way. I wonder if he's... I know he's good mates with Jack Crisp. If he thought he might have still been on the former side. But... Um, Yell out, I got your back, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Familiar voice. Familiar voice, yeah. <laughs> it was like watching my son's under eights on the weekend. <laughs> the wrong way, turn back. I was glad the boy did all right. He played well. In the end, he, yeah, he, he, he hoiks it. He, he doesn't look low and, and, and spear passes, but he, he does hoik it. He kicks it a, a, you know, a good yep. mile. Uh, yeah, but I was glad for him he did all right after that. Because Nick Dacus got straight up to him, got into his face and just <laughs> applauded. And I thought, geez, you're lucky you were playing in this era. <laughs> oh, another one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what do we make of the Bulldogs? Because you, you look at them early on, it looked like they matched them. Like they, were, they were playing excellent yep. football. They took their chances. Waitman got off to a really good start. Norton had a bit of confidence early. Hugo Hagen, as we said, he... What you, I think he kicked two goals, three. He missed a couple of shots he, he should have, but they looked yep. exciting. Uh, there was a couple brain fades. They, they go down by two goals, and a couple of things that Bevo raised in the, uh, in the post-match. The first thing, Derm, as you, as you get taught as a young kid growing up in football, is get something on the goal line. So, first of all, Johnson took that mark on the goal line mm. when he just went and had a run and jump. Easy, simple goal for him. And then the other one was Eugle Hagen shot at goal from 45 out. Looks like it's going through. He goes to celebrate, runs into Big Coxie and starts giving him a bit of a what for. And Darcy Moore marks it on the boundary line with no one around him. These are the little things. that, that They're a team that's sitting six on the ladder. But they lost to a better team, and, and but they're the little things that you need to do. If you want to jump up into that top four, those little silly brain fades that you get taught at when, you're, when you're eight or nine years of age that you need to get right, they seem to fall away in those little efforts. Yeah, that, that's carrying out the plan, and that's just drifting off. That, that's rectifiable. You get the players to tune in. That is rectifiable. What was really disappointing for me was that when the Doggies brought it forward, there were several occasions in the match, even in the, uh, when they were kicking to the right-hand side of the screen, that was third quarter. They had, uh, and they were blown away in the third quarter, but not at the start. They had three forward 50 entries that they massacred themselves by foot. And, and I, when people say st some stuff in an analytical sense, some of it I'll go, yeah, that makes sense. And some of it I'll go, I need to see this myself. So I'll go back and look. And people have been talking about Bailey Smith's disposal. It's awful. Miss, you know, he's running. At a good clip, give him that, but he's looking to chip pass a 25 metre kick straight ahead and a player leads to him, you should be able to execute that he's a very good player and he sails it over his leading teammate's head from 25 There's, yeah, they do things like that when Collingwood wouldn't have missed any kick inside a 50-50 um, you know, you might mid the, miss the odd kick which you're biting off a bit much but they don't miss any kicks like that whereas the dogs in that 
third quarter, opening few minutes of the third quarter, missed three guilt-edged opportunities to put the ball to advantage inside forward 50. Having said that, their first quarter was excellent. The first half of their second quarter was excellent. They showed a good plan because they occupied Darcy Moore. And Darcy Moore is the cornerstone of this team. And there's so many other parts to it. If you want a chance to beat the Magpies, it's not saying this is how you beat them, but if you want a chance to beat them, you have to keep Darcy Moore occupied so he can't be. It's almost like they play seven defenders against six forwards. You've got to keep him occupied. And that they looked... Look, the, the time that Collingwood looked hesitant was for about a 15-minute patch in that last quarter, and I wasn't sure if Collingwood tried to play a little bit safer, and it's not naturally, they can't naturally do that, but the Bulldogs wouldn't let it out of their Ford 50. Norton had a smother that kept him in there that got a shot on goal. Eugle Hagen got a smother. They, they still believed that they could win the game, but as I said, there's a few areas Which there that they just fell short. Yes. Yeah, it was great. But one thing I, thought, I felt pleased about last night, in the end, it's only a two-goal loss. It felt like Collingwood controlled it better than that. But I, right now, we need bona fide challengers to actually raise their heads and say, we're capable. Mm. So a two-goal loss, no one ever accepts losing, but a two-goal loss against really formidable opposition, the best opposition that the league can throw up at the moment. Um, it's, I think they showed signs that they, they can beat Near, probably just about every other team, bar Port Adelaide in their current form, because no one's yeah. beating them at the moment. The They're looking up a bit, aren't they, at the moment, the dogs? Just a bit. They had a, yes. a lot on their own terms yes. last yeah. night, so Collingwood with some personnel issues. I know Jason Johannesson was missing for the dogs, but a lot went right at their venue. Collingwood off consecutive six-day breaks, I think, as well, Riley. So yeah. The great thing about it was uh, the players that they know the capabilities of, Bont, mm. Libba, those blokes, did what they do. That's a given. We know that they, they played to the way they play. Smith has dropped back a little bit, but the bonus is Jamara has now elevated himself. So that's the bonus. So if all the others do what they, we know they're capable of, it's a huge boost to them if Jamara now is the equal of or ready to take the mantle away from Norton. Because my brief synopsis on Norton last night was he does all the correct natural forward movements to get to the ball and win it, but when he's got the ball in his hands, he's not a natural forward. Well, their next five weeks five weeks is going to tell a bit. They're going to be, after this round, St Kilda are playing Melbourne tonight, so they're going to be a game out of the, the top four. Their next four of the next five games, they've got teams outside the top eight. So if they want to push up and make that top, it's, it's in their own hands. The only team that they've, they've got in the top eight is Essendon, who are, uh, who are sitting eighth. And that's in two weeks' time. So if they can play the football that they produced last night against these teams in the next month to five weeks, then they should be right up there in the top four contenders. And then from that, we know from the Bulldogs that they can do anything in finals. We've seen it multiple times. They've got from they've got the grand finals and won a premiership from lowly in that, that bottom eight. Riley, just before top we eight, break and yeah, get back into the some wider conversations around, I think Jamara's worth a, a longer conversation after break. Bailey Smith and Nick Dacos, dare I say it yet again as well. But we often wonder with Collingwood, how are they going to fit them all back in? I mean, it's yeah. the question, given the players that missed last night, McStay, Mychek, Sidebottom's got to come back in as well. The list goes on and on. And 
as he did say, though, the coach, well, we've never had our best 22. We've always, you get a magnet back, you lose a magnet, and, and they lost another one last night. Yeah, so Will Huskin Elliott, he'll be out for around a month, will undergo surgery on a broken hand. So it's another one that goes out of the team. As you mentioned, though, if they get Maynard back next week from a shoulder Maynard's injury. Maynard's another one, yep. Yeah, my check. We've got a hammy. He might come back next week. Sideboarder might come back next week. And then McStay was due to play VFL last weekend, but pulled out last minute with a bit of an illness. So should be playing VFL this weekend. But in that team last night, can you play McStay and uh, uh, Majacek? Well, I found it fascinating last night that at times I felt their back line was undersized and they were making Darcy Moore do a few things, as he said, that he might not have been as comfortable with in terms of matching up on someone, but yet they kept Billy Frampton forward for the structure. So I wonder if Billy Frampton's the man that goes out of that team for, to accommodate for McStay coming back. I thought it might have been someone like Oleg Markov, but he's writing his own story yeah. at the moment too, isn't he? He's, mm. he's playing a real role in that, that side. Which makes me still fall back to, of course, every team that gets to the top of the ladder or top two, top three, has a plethora of fantastic players. And hard decisions but to make. But this is, this, is, this, this is system. Put this down mm. to system. They've got yeah. some fantastic and great players in there. But this is system, and Oleg Markov is proving it. Billy Frampton is is proving it. Bo McCreary is proving it. These are not going to be household names or superstars any day, but they are playing pretty good football in a system and doing all that is required of them because Mm. that's what the system of Collingwood wants. As I say, you've got great players in there as well, so don't try and make out I'm trying to downgrade the ability of the team. There are great players in that side, but this is system-based. Crunch time. It's for the Berwick Motor Group. That's where we are today. Berwick GWM for the all-new Tank, Aura and Canon XSR, part of the Berwick Motor Group. And Azito, our friends at Azito, they power DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Great day to be hungry. Available after 10.30am for a limited time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Azito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. A great play from Friday Night Footy. For Luxus Crates. The leaders in aluminium drainage, UV stable, rust proof and customizable on site. Lux's Greats, distributed Australia-wide. Half-back flank, 9,657 disposals. And the knowledgeable supporters acknowledging that as Moore goes short to Markov at half-back. And they're going to switch it again to Hal to Pendlebury. Oh, listen to them. They put it up on the board, so every pie supporter is on their feet in the stand. Josh Dacos receives the kick from him, punched away from Noble by McRae, and the ball is out of bounds, and now the ground announcer announcing that stat of 9,658 possessions, and there's plenty of noise down at Marble Stadium. A proud Pies crowd on their feet. Dogs fans, too, are up on theirs. Great respect. Scotty Pendlebury last night writing himself into the history books. He broke the disposals record that had been set by Robert Harvey upon his retirement in 2008. And you heard there from uh, the commentary team at AFL Nation, both sets of supporters uh, up on their feet uh, applauding the feet of Scott Pendlebury. That was our highlight from Friday Night Footy brought to you by Lux's Greats, the leaders in customisable aluminium drainage. It's an illustrious list um, as well, Derm. You were marvelling at the fact that KB was fourth. There's some big names in this 
this list. And if I scroll down to 15th all time, I find a certain L Hodge, 7,589 disposals. How many? 7,589 disposals. Let me read along there and... Eight contested. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cheapies across halfback there. They do. <laughs> there's a lot of cheapies. Well done, Oji boy. Hey. Oh, you got you got to find where you go where there's no there's no body well, around. No traffic. Sit, sit behind the plane, just ask for a bit of dead time, chip it back to you, soak it up oh. when you can. We were we were fishing there. We thought you might have taken the boat, but you were too good for that. I've, I've been around Durham long enough to know that there's something's going to be coming at me. So. Fair <laughs> it wasn't going to be a positive. Fair <laughs> Hey, give it a few more years, and who knows? Nick Dacos might be right there. And I know this is a Groundhog Day conversation around, around the kid, but a lot was said last night around the strength that he's added as well to his game. And since he's been moved in the midfield, the genie's out of the bottle. There's no way he's going back to halfback. It doesn't matter who's coming Don't into lie. that side. He's the best player in the competition at the moment, right where he is. He wreaked havoc last night. He's, I thought, actually, Nathan Buckley probably said it best on Fox Footy, but as good as I've heard anyway. He's got Scott Pendlebury's deception, and he's got Dane Swan's burst. And as we would know, if you put those two together, you've got a lethal combination. But that would appear to be exactly what Nick Dacos is. His decision-making is microsecond. Mm-hmm. That goal he kicked for the... Um, the check side. The check side banana yeah. kick. Jared uh, Healy described it. He only had... He could go on the left if he wanted to. But if he goes on to the left, he has to take one more step. And one more step means he would have got smothered off the boot. So he computes that he's only got time to take two steps, which puts him on the right foot, so he has to check side it. So to compute that, and, and we are talking micros of a second. Like, I don't know how you'd measure it, but it would be somewhere around a quarter of a second's uh, computation in that cranium to actually go, two steps, kick, bang, and it's away. And then the execution... He split the two uprights. It was incredible. But it's not as if he was just standing there and just jogged into it. He was on the play mm. on the back flank. He ran past for a handball receive. I think McQuarrie didn't give it to him. End up kicking it forward. And all of a sudden, that work ethic, that speed that he's got, that power running, picked it up. And then, as you said to him, the, the decision to throw it onto the right outside. But it never looked like missing. But... We're saying this every time. You go yeah. through the game, and I think it's ten highlights, and he's got seven of them. There was there was plays. That goal that he kicked, the intercept mark, first of all, he's alert enough to be in the zone and ready for the ball to come through the corridor. He intercepts it and goes back and kicks it from 52. Doesn't look like missing. The, the question that a lot of people had on him, not that there was many out there, was when he came in, he played across half-back. And as we are joking around then, maybe it's a little bit easier to get a kick across half-back to him. But... Then he's then they threw it. Then they threw. I thought I'll jib myself because I thought rather than you coming at me. Um, then the, the question is, well, let's see how he goes in the midfield. Like his clearances last night, as we said earlier, he had six at the same time that the Western Bulldogs had six. And there's a there's a couple of plays there you're spot on about the the Scotty Pendlebury. He's gone to fake a handball. People would sort of push off him to go to the handball receiver, and then he just use his space to get out. Other times that he would have the peripheral vision to have. I think it might have been. Was it Quainer off the back, off the half? Well, he had a play to run off the half back line, and he's gone over his right shoulder and hit him without bloke missing with missing a step. Yeah. Like he's just got the vision, the composure, but then the the burst to, to get out with his own powerful from his legs as well. Yeah, so he's had 11 clearances, but still helped himself to 440 metres gained as well. So he's the mm. ultimate blend at the moment. He's flying. I thought, and Trelaw was 
awesome against him for the first 15 minutes of the second quarter. I thought he beat him mm. at stoppage. And then he's, it's like a little... I mean, this kid, how many games has he played, this little bugger? Yeah, it's his second season. Second season. 40, so it's his 41st game. 40, it's it, his 41st game. He's just gone, no, I'm going to drop the hammer here. Yeah. <laughs> and just as well, Riley, that they... doesn't sum it up. He just drops the hammer and yeah. goes, I'll yeah. go harder. Yeah, obviously, he's not going anywhere, father, son. We know the history and the story, but they signed him initially to that four-year four deal, year. didn't they? Yeah, yeah. which was... <laughs> takes him through. He's on sound yeah. business. He's on a, yeah, it was very sound business from Collingwood. But like, for every question that you've ever thrown at him, so he started his career of halfback, racked up 30 touches a game. Everyone said, well, can he go through the midfield? He's gone through the midfield. About six weeks ago, there were question marks as to whether or not he could become a contested and clearance player. Everyone was saying he's winning too much of the ball on the yeah. outside. He's averaging 15 contested possessions a game over the last month. He's had five games this year where he's kicked multiple goals. He won 11 clearances last night. You're going to hate me for saying this, because I'm from a different era. He's, it, it's great he's playing in this year, era, because in yesteryear, even to Hodge's early career, you'd punish his body. You would just go out there and say, this kid's too good. Don't they we still just, do that? No, there's still can't room do it for, anymore. There's still room for a bit of that. You can't there? do it. Who gets driven into the ground now? You get suspended. Well, in the you, tackle, but you can you can put body on him at stoppage. And no one. How do you hurt no one a, do you hurt a body mm. now? Mm. You Hod- can't do it, Hodgie. You would punish his body. You'd linger every tackle in the old days. You would have, and that's you, they can't <laughs> do that to him now. But yeah. people people said the same thing about Juddy. Said, well, he's too quick. Surely back in the day we could punish him. They said the same thing about Shane Crawford. Mm. These blokes are strong enough. Crawford got punished. He, he did, but they're strong <laughs> enough. And I've, I've seen enough of Nick Dacos to realise that if he, if they're going to have a go at him, his teammates are going to stick up for him, but he's Correct. also going to he's going to have a go back. He's got that little yeah. bit of grit in him. Um, but to really but, get through, you can't do it the way you used to. You imagine, I'm talking about, imagine if Dipper got him in a tackle. I mean, that type of thing. You can't do that anymore. So that, that's out of the game. But you, you would, if a player was that good in yesteryear, you'd say, all right, he's too good. We'll make him not be good. And you'd physically do that. And the game would semi-allow it. Yeah. It, it, that Dan, doesn't exist anymore. I've got one for you. You're a knowledgeable man of the game. There's been one person who's had more touches in their first 40 games than Nick Dacos. Who is it? <laughs> He's one I, of know the answer, I know the answer to this because you rolled it out last night. Um, is it Mickey Barlow, someone like that? No, is that, he's one of few Brownlows. He's a little man. He didn't have the burst that Nick Dacos did. Uh, halves? No. Croft. Very good, very good with his hands. Croft. Put him he, out of his misery. He's the only bastard who could play at that stage. Greg Williams. <laughs> Greg right. Williams is the only person to have more touches than Nick Dacos in his first 40 games. He couldn't run either. <laughs> Nick's got a little bit more burst than what, than what yeah. Greg Williams hey, did, we, but I think that puts Nick up there with, I know we keep talking about it, but when you compare them blokes in their first 40 games, who's having an impact, you look back at Juddy was one who came onto the scene with his burst and his explosive. You could see that in moments, stop, couldn't you? Y- yeah. Yes, uh, and Nick's, Nick's doing the same, and once you put him in names with Greg Williams, what he's been able to do and how he had an impact early on, it's, uh, it's, there's a reason why we continue to talk about him. Just, yeah, I, I was thinking last night on the way home, you can't switch off from footy. It's mm. like you still wake at 2 two a.m. thinking about what you've just seen. When you're a player, it's worse. But um, I thought, what's going to stop him mm. becoming an all-time great? And because it was a question asked last night on air, um, what's his ceiling? And I said, no, this is it. This it's- is you can't get better than this. This is he's that good now. You can't get better than this. That's a brave call. The, the only thing you can do is prolong it. And if he prolongs this, 
He's an all-time great. The only thing that'll stop him doing that is a, a horrible injury. So I'm touching wood. Yep. Touch wood, touch wood, touch yep. wood. So it doesn't happen. But that's the only thing that'll stop him. The yeah. other side of the coin, as, as effusive as we can be around uh, Nick Dacos, and we've run out of superlatives, and the coaches asked him about him for the millionth time last night, and he was the same, is what do the Western Bulldogs do with Bailey Smith? Now, I felt sorry for Bailey Smith, to be honest, last night, watching him run around. When you consider the numbers at the main break, no centre-bounce attendances, one effective disposal, zero marks, zero clearances, one inside 50 in a half of football. Hodgie, when you see Bailey Smith at the moment, he does look lost. I know there's some uh, positioning complexities in that dog's midfield and only so many uh, people can sit at the chair at the table. But what's your take on where Bailey Smith's at right now? When a player who comes up, he's, he's obviously his first few years has been really good. Like he's used his run, he's used his creativity, and he did that on the wing. And I think what you do, once you've been into the AFL system for three, four, five years, and you sort of looks like you've excel in a certain position, it's about how can we make this player the next step? How can we take him to that next area? And for the Bulldogs, it looks like they've, over the start of this year, they put him into the centre bounce a little bit more. They're playing more as a half a half or to try and lose a defender to try and bring him up to the contest. If I was a coach at the Bulldogs, to try and get him some confidence back, I'd be putting him back onto the wing. Keep him on the wing for a full game and making sure that he gets that confidence that he had prior. So the last time Collingwood and Bulldogs played, he had 41 touches, mm. playing on the wind, playing around the ball, not playing as a high half forward. The high half forward is the hardest position to play because you're trying to create space to get out of your forward line. You've also got to work back in, but you've also got a bloke who's trying to shut you down in a half-back flank. So I'd be making it a little bit easier on the kid and, and putting him back on that wing and just say, use your running ability. And the other thing is, Derm, you spoke about his kicking earlier. You're always under pressure. If you're on the half forward, if you're a half forward, you're always under pressure from mid-squeezing back, putting pressure on your kick, a defender on you, and you've got a little small area to, to work into. On the wing, you can work back into the D50. You can work up the fat side. There's more space for a winger to hit a kick if his kick's a little bit suspect, as we're starting to see in that position at the moment. Derm, Riley, before we get your thoughts on Bailey Smith, this was the coach, Luke Beveridge, when he was asked about Bailey last night. I mean, what, what ends up happening is um, in the pecking order of that midfield, you end up playing a bit of a role play here and there. And, um, and Baz, as I said the other day, he's had some interruption in his preparations. And uh, and so, he, you know, the ground that Bailey covers when he's at the uh, peak of his powers is really hard to contend with. And uh, so he's still building up to that. And uh, he's had some little niggles here and there with his body that's... Um, uh, meant that at different times he's uh, been held up with his training loads. So we're working towards him. Um, as I said the other day, working towards him, um, you know, I suppose growing again and, and even improving on what, he, what, he, what he's done on the, in the past. The other side of it is, of course, we know his history, Bailey Smith, deep thinker, complex character at times. He'd be his own hard taskmaster, I'm sure. We've seen him out here doing um, running sessions at Marvel Stadium after playing a full game derm. But how do you think the dogs get the best out of him from here? There's, I think you've got to actually look at the path you take to make yourself a fantastic player. And I go back to the final series when they got knocked over by Melbourne over in Perth in, in the grand final. But that final series, I can recall vision of him running past his own teammates, running past opposition players to lay tackles on mm. the opposition. I thought, wow, his want, his desire for the contest, his desire to get to and work hard is just off the, 
off the charts. I, I, I can't see that at the moment. Now, you, you might have niggles, yeah, mm. and that'll curtail his ability to do so. Um, but I just don't see that work workload in him. He played forward that final series. Because mm. he kicked three goals against Brisbane in the semi. He kicked four against Port in the prelim. So he was playing... That, that was the half-forward role that he was playing. And I wonder if they've tried to get a bit of confidence back in him by moving him back to that role over the last month or so. When Trelaw went out of the team when he did his hamstring early this season, that's when they started, started pushing him into to centre bounce a bit more. But and he was moved, good. And he was mm. good. But they've moved him back out of it now. So I wonder if they're trying to just find different ways to get his confidence and get his form going. You're listening to Crunch Time. We're on site today, this morning, for Berwick GWM for the all-new Tank, Aura and Canon XSR. After this break, gentlemen, we'll turn our mind to the resuscitation of Richmond season. To be fair, the first quarter and a half, we were pretty ordinary. Um, we couldn't really handle the ball very well. And Sydney, we couldn't really get pressure on the game either. Sydney were controlling uh, the game. So probably after about the 15-minute mark of the second quarter, I thought we were really able to get to a game on our terms. And second half, we were able to build our pressure game and, and own some territory in the game. That was Andrew McWalter in the wake of Thursday night football. The Tigers, seven goals in the second half to Sydney's three and set it off the top, gentlemen. As the rain fell, Hodgie at the MCG, they just got better. Richmond, their pressure game return. They were able to shut down Sydney's run and corridor footy that had been so eye-catching in the first hour. And so for all of this, they're on the cusp of the top eight. And it's another tick for Andrew McWalter's coaching to turn it all around from the horror that was the Gabba. Yeah, it is. And I think that shows that we're allowing him to, the last week. Well, Brisbane are a very good team after the Gabba, so we're waiting to see how they responded. And early on, you thought, oh, hang on, maybe that might have a bit of a lasting effect, the, the belting that they received last week. But as you said, he was he was good enough and he was confident enough to, to change a few magnets round, throw and Vlosten up forward, repaid him, kicked the goal. I think he moved Baker around as well. So, look, it's showing that he's got the confidence in the players to tweak a few things and knowing that they're going to respond in the right way. And as you said, as soon as the, uh, as soon as the rain fell, uh, it was the Richmond of old with that pressure turnover. Nan Curvis's bump was obviously a big talking point, but then his third quarter, the goal he kicked, was a really a, a turning factor and in the third quarter really got the momentum going. Two blokes in, Prestia and Dustin Martin helped a little That'd bit. Help a little too. bit, don't Yeah, I thought Prestia was phenomenal. I thought Dusty was very, very good. He got more possessions than normally to be expected and damaging by foot whenever he gets them. But those two were huge for them. And Bolton was good again. He's had an indifferent sort of a season, hasn't he? But he was Well, good. you know what? I reckon even at this early, early-ish stage of his career, I reckon we're already marking him hard. Yeah. Mm. His games where we say, oh, he flashed in and out, finished off, you know, reasonably well with 16 in the second half after a slow start of six uh, in the first half. But that's just, what happens, isn't it? Because just we know their ceiling. It. He's the match winner. <laughs> he wins matches for you. I reckon he's already been marked hard by his, by his brilliance because we, we want the brilliance all the time. Riley, what we love in Toby Nankervis is also what we hate. And mm. that is when that is such his life, I suppose, when, when you play on the edge. You've seen a few tribunal cases in your time. Yes. This one sent directly there for Tuesday night. Three minimum matches for, for obviously taking out Jake Lloyd that uh, obviously angered John Longmire. He See, said, Riley, that's what I was saying. That's legal 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you test it. Probably a good thing that it's not now. Where does it sit with you from a suspension point of view? I reckon he's looking at a month. You can get the four? I think I think get the four. I, I think when you choose to go past the footy and bump like that and you make contact with the head and you knock the player out, I think you, you're 
and it, and it was one where they, I mean, they brought the stretcher onto the ground. I know they didn't use it, but the, the overall look of it, which is what the, the tribunal takes into consideration, was an ideal. And I think that was the most sort of, that was the most, the, the worst one we've seen in terms of a player going past the ball this season. Yeah. So I think they'll look to make an example of it. I reckon it'll be four weeks. Once, once you get referred to the tribunal, your starting price is three weeks. It is. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't mean it has to be more than that. Though. You get off or you get three or three plus. Yeah. Hodgie? Well, first of all, look, it's going to be hard because as a, the, the, there's two people. Derm's going to say all people on the field, but you need two blokes that are aggressive in football teams to be successful, I believe. And it's your Ruckman and your centre-half forward to make sure that, as a centre forward, if blokes get into your road, that you make sure they don't do it again. And Ruckman, you want Ruckman to be, yes, just like what Derm used to do. Um, but Ruckman, you want them to chase, tackle, follow up their play, be physical against the little midfielder. So I don't think Richmond are going to tell them to tell him to change his, his role or, or his aggression because he's not a natural person to run past and do this. I think this was just a brain fade where he's going to put his hand up, he'll go to the tribunal and he'll cop whatever comes his way. The biggest thing Luke, from to that me, is... To me, the, if I can just interject there, to me, remember last week against the Brisbane Lions, which we studied the, the hell out of it, they got out-toughed at the ball. Yep. Brisbane went in harder than them. Early in the game, to me, it smacked of a player who said, I cannot let that happen again. I've got to show, I've got to do everything. I've got to make them damaged. I've got to make them hurt. I have to be the leader in this. And he, and he went overboard. Yeah, and, and that's what players do can do that, and that's the thing is his his mindset wasn't to go and run through and, and take Lloyd out that bad. But as I said he made a split second decision, made the wrong thing, and he'll he'll cop it. The big call that's come from that is should should we bring back the red card or the the, the sending him off? And people sort of sit back and laugh, but it's only for clear indiscretions of if you look at the, there's three that come to mind. Obviously, Nan Curvis, one where Lloyd's taken out of the play. He can't, he can't come back on. Nan Curvis plays that third quarter, has a real impact, changes the style of the game. The other one is the broad tackle from early in the year where you dump tackle. That's stuff that we want to mark out of the game. His player was off with concussion. And there was uh, Tommy Stewart last year on Prestia. Yep. Who Prestia went off the ground. Tommy Stewart got best on ground that day. Is it, does it come to a stage where if it's clear cut, we've got someone in the bunker that can make this stuff who's with the MRP or with the AFL to say, you've taken this bloke out illegally, you're clearly going to get three or four weeks to even this up, do we send you off for the rest of the game as well? You're because going soft, Longmire, Longmire said after the game, he was filthy the fact that Lloyd was off, Nan Curvis had an impact. Does this, is this a way of evening things up? So Sydney may have won the game last night if Nan Curvis didn't stay on the ground. All right, Sorry, so Hodgie's, Hodgie's put that on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a midday, I've got it on the, the, the run sheet. Let, let's debate this a little bit further. Hodgie makes a really good point because it actually robbed Sydney of a lot of run as well. They had to play at all, and that was their choice yeah. to uh, whoever they had as their sub. But it was clearly Toby Nankervis went on to play a massive role in that game while also robbing Sydney of one of their runners in, in wet conditions. So anyway, we'll, we'll part that for now. We'll get into I've it. I've got to read the run sheet. Sorry, mate. Too. In a final <laughs> hour. you too, will you? And I'm looking forward to a bit of a debate with you, uh, with you two Hawthorne legends. I wanted to ask you before we did break quickly around Sydney and where it leaves them. Finals just about would appear shot now, you know, um, less than a year on from, from a grand final. Where's it gone wrong for John Longmire this year, do you think, Dern? I think you have to go right for you in a football yeah. season. To, to make finals, you've got to have a healthy list. If you don't have a healthy list, you've, you've been swimming against the tide to get there. That's for every team. Um, some teams can withstand the injuries a little bit better than others. But they, 
their backline structure was decimated by injury. Mm. Um, I really felt for them. To, to have Cal Sinclair in round four play full back on, mm. on Tom Hawkins, to have Robbie Fox trying to play against yeah. Jeremy Cameron at centre-half back, and, and it, they were in that stage for a month. I've really felt for, for Horse this year. He hasn't had the players at his disposal the way he wants them. Some people say well, everybody gets injuries. There's injuries and there's a very definite type of injury. Yeah, the, the McCartans have missed a lot of footy as well. I want to ask you about Buddy uh, as well going forward. It's been a massive news week, so we'll get into that on the other side. We'll continue. Oh, gee, that, that red card debate's just set up really nicely. <laughs> You're listening to Crunch Time. We're woke. on site. Beric GWM, the all-new Tank Aura and Canon XSR. A Saturday morning, we've just ticked over midday here at crunch time at the magnificent Berwick GWM. Have a Luke Hodges with us, Dermot Brereton as well, Riley Beveridge, of course, from the AFL website. Where we left things, gentlemen, the MRO and the tribunal, they police our game. The Toby Nankervis hit on Jake Lloyd has reignited the debate about around whether a more immediate consequence should await the guilty party in-game in the form of a red card system. Barrister Luke Hodge has made his opening statement. <laughs> what say you, King's Counsel Dermot Brereton? Why do it? Is it broken? Well, we've, got, would... we've got five on the interchange bench. You can't replace somebody with that? I know you probably, the statistics will show you. Oh, look, he's got his finger up in the air. Objection, <laughs> <No>. Your Honour. Let's <laughs> not get that perfect <laughs> Sustained. Yes. Sustained. So, historically, we've never done it. And that shouldn't be just the only reason. But it will distort history if we do this. We are the only game. We're a, we are a robust sport. Honestly, if we just go down this path... What are we turning into? We, we're already pandering to the wokeness of the, the crowd in this sport. Honestly, can we, can we just get through a season and not go backwards in terms of turning this into a different sport completely? I can see you're getting angry at me. I'm just the messenger here in this situation, OK? I'm just the facilitator. There's a screen between Hodge yeah. and me. <laughs> Probably a good thing, Hodgie. <laughs> no, I'll... You're saying we've never done it before, but also we've never had the concussion rule either. So in the past, if someone went through and back in 20 years ago, if someone ran through someone, they could come back on and, and still be a part of the game. Cle yeah, but you only now, had two on the bench then. Yeah, no, but clearly now, and we've adjusted, we've adapted. And in well, football, you adapt, you adapt to the rule, stop Pretty talking, you've player, had your Jake chance. <laughs> Um, you've, we've adapted with the way things are. We're a lot more serious with the concussion rule. We want to make sure players are looked after, protected. That's why we send them off, even when players feel they could go back on. Jordan Lewis, back I reckon, about 2010, got run through on the, uh, against the Western Bulldogs by Jared Harbrow, and it was the sickest thing I've seen. He came back on later that game, and he said for the next three weeks, I wasn't in a good state to play, but he stood it because that was the expectation. The mindset now with football has changed, and we have to adapt with it. If we've got someone who, as Nan Curvis, and we're a lot stronger now with the bump and the dump tackle, and I'm only saying if it's a clear one where it's going to get a three-week-plus go straight to the tribunal, why don't we even the playing field? Otherwise, you could have a, a, a bloke who's probably 30th on the list come out, target in a final, one of your best players, run through him, he's off, 
and off you go. That's so never happened, Luke. That's always been the that's always yep. been thrown up and said. And then the AFL went to after Lynchy threw a hundred punches and didn't <laughs> land one. That's they they, they 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 what are they double time you get yep. it for grand finals because that's always been said. It has never ever. If you, if, you ask John night, if, you are, if you ask John Longmire after Thursday night, do you think it would have been fair the fact that one of your playmakers off the half-back line that can run through the money, that can yep. excite things and make things happen when things aren't going your way, if you think it's fair that the Ruckman who, did, who sent him off, should he be eliminated? The bloke who turned the game in the third quarter, who had an impact in that third quarter, who kicked an amazing goal in that third quarter... Do you think he should have been taken off at the same time? I reckon John Longmire would have said, I do believe so, because we were disadvantaged because his illegal play, why should he be able to stay on the field? So I'm, I'm not saying this should happen for everyone if someone gets injured or every concussion rule. I'm saying for the ones that everyone sits back and goes, you're getting three weeks, you're going to the tribunal. And the three that I gave you before was the Tommy Stewart, the broad tackle, and also the Nan Curvis bump. So it's only got to be the, the clear-cut ones that everyone in... In who watches football, everyone there goes, that is going to the tribunal, this is what we want to deal, and this is what we want to stand for. Derm Hodgie mentioned John Longmire. He was asked about the incident, of course he was. This is how he chose to respond. I think this the exact question here is about the influence that Toby Nankervis had, and this is how Horse chose to answer. Toby Nankervis seemed to have a real impact for Richmond in, in that area that you're talking about. When a, when a guy like that gets on such a... Um, role in that period is it, is it hard to sort of stop his influence I guess isn't it? yeah I thought yeah he had a big role unfortunately Jackie Lloyd didn't have any role in the game so um, which was disappointing um, but uh, yeah he got on top in the ruck and um, and really gave the momentum out of there can't so do anything about it yeah suck it up he knows how to say a lot without saying a lot yeah I wonder if he felt the same way when Byron Pickett his teammate was knocking out opposition players but that's the thing, don't we've, we've, we've changed, we've adapted. And I think yeah. because of how... Yeah, we have, but we've also got five on the bench now. now so that happened, what, was it first quarter or when it was, was first it? quarter. First quarter. Who was in front at three-quarter time? 10-8 to 8-12. No, sorry, Rich, Richmond were just in front, weren't they? No, Sydney was still Ten, in front. 10-8 to 8-12. They've still held sway for the next 75 minutes. Exactly right. So, but who, who yeah, had the I most impact in that I know you can run out quarter? of time. Yeah. Fine, Nan I Curtis. know, but this is the risk you take playing. He could have rolled his ankle. Anything but like that can happen. He got sent off the ground because and someone so illegally bumped him in the head when he went past the ball. And so many players get sent to the tribunal uh, in, in times gone by that get off. And so this would distort the result of the game if you send off a player who then gets off on a technicality, on a whatever. It distorts the result of the game. Sometimes you just, as John said, which was a realism, sometimes you just got to suck it up. My, my, only, <laughs> my only worry with this type of stuff is that, you and you've sat in them, Sam, before, this tribunal case, Monday, Tuesday night, it'll go for two and a half hours. So how, how do you, in the ones that are a little bit contentious, when they analyse the body movements to the nth degree, where do you draw the line at what is or what isn't? Well, you'd have to have any, I think, 
Yeah, you, you need to take it out of that. We're getting down the path hey, here. Perry you, Mason you, won't get him off. You, you need, no, of course <laughs> not. No. He's gone. No, of course I, he's I'm gone. I'm even willing to concede no, that. <laughs> Riley knows he's gone. Know but it's gone. It's interesting to see whether Richmond, what they do at the tribunal, where they fall on their sword and, 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 and you know. Although I'm if you can get some of Carlton's legal have, people. But in regards to the red card and the mechanics of it. sling tackles, for example. So you mentioned the broad one, Hodgie, there. Sling tackles, there's been so many examples this year where, and I know a lot of them haven't got off, but where there's been a couple where they have got off in terms of those sling tackles. What do you define as a sling tackle? Would be a red card against what wouldn't be? I remember the debate was raised, I think, 2018 and the Andrew Gaff, Andrew Brayshaw incident. Mm. And, it, and I think it boiled down to then, what is a football act and what isn't a football act? That's, that's maybe potentially what could define what could be a red card offence, what couldn't be a red card offence. You can't say football act around Jared. Jared hates no. the terminologies. If you yeah. say that's a football act, he goes, there's no such thing as a football act. But we're, yeah, we're, I said, and this is, this is the hardest part for it, and this is where it becomes tricky with it, but it's the, the clear-cut one. So I reckon, there, I reckon 15 or 16 of those tackles this year, you sit back and go, oh, you can understand where the player was doing it. It was unlucky. The Sicily one, where he got three weeks. The broad one was there was no... Like, everyone looked at broad and went, you picked him up, you had your arms pinned, and you dumped him into the ground. Mm. Like, that was a clear cut. That was going to the tribunals, getting three or four weeks. So, the uh, I can see that, similar thing. Yeah, so the, who, the Richmond boy who ran into James Ash, what's his name? Um, um, three weeks. Uh, Mansell. Mansell. Do you send him off? No. How, how do you make that distinction on the Because he, didn't run, he didn't run past the ball and think, I'm going to bump that. He got it's, three it, weeks. He got three yeah, he weeks. Gets, how do you make that distinction? Well, they, these are the ones that that's a, this, is, this work and needs it, to come down to the, the clear cut where it's, it's sometimes, as we said, Riley just said before, is the football act. Did he mean to go and do it? You look at those three instances, and this might happen four times a season. But I'm saying so the, somebody, ones where you, the ones where you clearly see someone go against the rules of the game and say, I'm going to opt to bump and clean you up rather than take the ball. I, I totally understand what you're saying there. I, I honestly do. I get it. And, and I'd, in a perfect world, I'd love that to work. But somebody has to make an opinion-based decision on the spot to say, that's well, my opinion. Does it go upstairs? No, to no, say, what, 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 so does Mansell do get... What's that? You're, you're, you, what I'd you be do brilliant you know at it because I know the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe look, we're getting We've down the path with it here, but you could you could put it to an independent authority, whether it be someone in the arc or whether it be a, a third um, a, an extra umpire, whatever it might be, and they could have five minutes to assess the vision while the play's ongoing. So no stop to the play, run the rule over it. Then you make your decision. I mean, oh, who knows? I'm staring at the We're ceiling. Getting, yeah. This AFL world is Sorry, Sammy, crazy. Sammy, I was Soon trying to get we'll him that sending him off for bad language. I was trying to get him that oh. worked up that he was going to give one, give one to you then. <laughs> I think he was <laughs> going I, I got sent off in my first senior game of senior football in Colac for swearing. I kicked it on the full and I swore it myself. And the umpire <laughs> walked over and said, you're too close to the boundary line. You're off for 15 minutes. So that has happened. <laughs> yeah. kicked off for swearing. Well, you know what, mate? You double down and you give him one on the way out as well. Happened I was your... 15. I, was, I was thought I was going to get in trouble from Dad for swearing. <laughs> happened to your old mate Sam Mitchell in an under-18s grand final, didn't it at the G. Uh, it pains me to cut this uh, short, but we need to. The, the broader conversation around the big news of the week for Repco Authorised Service for Expert Car Service. You can rely on. You can book online at repcoservice.com. Gold Coast Suns again and their coach Stuart Jew, Dermot, the story of the week after Caroline Wilson's report uh, or belief that Stuart Jew is on the way out and his days are in fact numbered with Damien Hardwick set to take over next season. 
How are we to read this? Has anything changed here? What do you want me to read? Stewie or, or Caroline? Well, with Stuart Jew, has anything changed? Because I think we look at him and we, we're realistic enough to know that he's coaching for his future for the remainder of this year. You can't be copying heavy defeats like you're going to be copying like that on a weekly or semi-weekly, semi-regular basis? No, but, but there's an expectancy on, on the Suns to improve. We expect every team... Yeah, so have 18, we seen that There's enough? 18 teams. Every year we get to pre-round one and we say, oh, yeah, they'll improve. Mm. No one's going backwards. But, look, I can understand that we want to get improvement out of them. Their list... And, and they got 12 wins last year. But their list still is only about two-thirds of the way through the growth of where they are bona fide match winners. But you've seen enough this year. You've seen enough improvement? Well, I still want to see them win a few more. You can be as good or on the right track, even if you don't win as many games as the previous year. Too many people just make it a mark on the... I know we're in the business of, you know, it's winning games. And that's the... Your overall marker is how many games you win. But sometimes if you look deeper, you can have a good season with what you've got and, and win... A, a couple of less games. Re- we've got to mark him at the end of the year. Well, so for the other side, I, I don't know what Caroline kind of wills him to fail. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's... Mm. But, but, that's park, but park that for a moment, Hodgie. I mean, just have we seen enough? That, so the Gold Coast Suns, they run Collingwood to a kick last year. They're blown off the, the park at home last week. An immensely disappointing result at home with everything that was into the build-up of that, the big crowd and the like. Um have we seen enough improvement from Gold Coast? Because I think the question's always there is, can, he's been there for six years. Because they've never been a finals team, we always wonder, could they be more and should they be more? And a lot of that, fairly or unfairly, gets shipped on back to the coach. Um, what, what I feel that he's got at this stage is he's got a quality midfield who is still at that stage that pick and choose when to defend and when not to. And I, I watched a lot of the tape last week, went back and saw a lot of Collingwood's coast-to-coast goals. The week before against Hawthorne, they didn't do it because they were they came off the back of a Carlton loss that they were embarrassed, so they were really disciplined, they were really focused to defend, and then they were happy with themselves for the fact they played well. And this is what happens with young teams. Young, you look at Rao, you look at Anderson, you look at Lukosius. These are young, really talented players that when they have an embarrassing performance, they're going to make sure they do everything right. There was no difference to Mitchell, myself, Lewis, early in our career. You play a good game, you pat yourself on the back and you fall away the next week until you got to the stage where you're old enough and realise whether well, you win, lose or draw, you have to do those, those similar things. Um, and that's what I saw last week. And I don't, it doesn't matter what coach you have, that will still happen for a 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old. So I feel, is, is Dewey in trouble? The hardest thing with it is with the media beat up with it, that always finds that that seems to add more pressure to them. And their next month is tough. They've got a really, really tough month of football ahead. Riley, every player loves their coach, but that's Mm. very much the case at the Gold Coast Suns. I mean, a lot of those guys, they recommitted and they signed because of who was coaching the club. They're tight with Stuart Joe. I mean, this only carries you so far, but in terms of the harmony of the group, that's very much there, isn't it? Yeah, I think the frustration would be the fact that they've never been able to gather consistency across six weeks under Stuart Jew, and, and that's been the case for six years now. So they have the, the couple of really good wins in Darwin against the Dogs and the Crows. They come back and concede 10 goals in a second quarter to Carlton, who were mm. going so poorly at that stage. They come out and thrash Hawthorne, then they d- dish up what they did against Collingwood last week. I think their list is better 
than what they're performing at the moment. And I think that's when questions start getting asked. They've got all of the key pillars in place now across all three lines of the field. They've got a Ruckman who six weeks ago was in All-Australian contention. They've got a great young midfield. They've got Lukosius and King down forward. They've got Sam Collins who's been, and, and Charlie Ballard who have been two of the most informed key defenders in the comp. They've got their pillars in place now. And I think when, when the list... Isn't, under, isn't, isn't performing to the level it should be, that's when the questions get asked. And ultimately, if, if it's been six years of that, then, yeah, I can understand why the pressure's on now. They've still got holes. Their They've list, got their holes, list is, when, what they put out in the field still has holes. You, so I'm looking through it. Ben King is... So let's just have a look at their, where they're at. Ben King, is he at the peak of his career? He's still he's on the up. He's Yeah, he's still on the up, though. Yeah. He's got a lot of improvement. Lukosius is still on the up. Still got a, a ceiling to reach. Humphrey is a long way from his ceiling. Fiorini is a long way from his ceiling. Raul is still on the up. Anderson is still on the up. Um, and Mac Andrews. You mentioned the two key defenders. They have no troubleshooter, mid-sized defender. They want Mac Andrew to be that. He's six foot six, and he's mm. only a kid, and he's very light. They have no one. Uh, let's. If Collingwood are the benchmark, Braden Maynard is their troubleshooter, mid-sized backman. They don't have one. So if somebody gets off the chain who isn't a key forward and isn't a crumbing forward, they don't have anyone who can mind them. So there's holes all through their list due to the age that their meaningful players are and they're still rising to what they can be. So if you, if you let Stewie Jew go now, this would be the best list to get hold of because they still haven't peaked. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And everyone's saying, well, he's had six years and he hasn't got him into a final series. Mm. But Anderson and Rowell, they're, they're four years into their career. This is the time where they're starting to be mature and starting to have impact. And the two, the two, everyone's saying their strongest part of their game is a contested footy and clearance work. What lost them the game against Carlton was that second quarter where they lost, they had nine goals kicked against them and six of them come from centre bounce clearances. So you can't, it, I think that shows more so of the maturity of those players rather than Stewie Jew and the coaching style. What, what happens at the end of the year, we, we can only guess with what happens with the, the results, but what I'm seeing is the inconsisten in, inconsistency with the maturity of the players. That's what's happening with the results. Mm. And in two or three years' time, whether it's Jew or Dimmer or whoever else, that's when you're going to get this consistent four-quarter performance week in, week out, when they're 24, 25, 26. You've, so, just, put, you've just put Dimmer in there, have you? I said, well, that's what they're talking about. They're saying whoever's coaching in three or four years' time, hopefully it's Dewey, but whoever is, that's when you're going to get the consistent four-quarter performance. So whoever the coach is then, you can't really go against Dewey right now because yep. it's the maturity of the players. Yep. They've got the $6 list in the comp this year, Gold Coast. Yeah, but that's pumped up by certain players like Levi being in there. and mm. yeah. That, really, what you, when we talk about old lists, mm. what, you, experience. what you need to do is, is take a look at your core... 25, 26 players, because they're the ones you want to be fully fit and have a look at their age bracket. So you can break it down. I mean, you draft in five kids every year and suddenly you're in the bottom four for age. Yeah. You do that two years in a row and you are the youngest list in the comp. It, it distorts and, yeah. and we make too much into that, I, I reckon, sometimes. Uh, no one's saying they're the finished article by any stretch in terms of those players' improvement. The question for mine is, have they improved enough commensurate with what we expect? So, anyway, they've got Port Adelaide to come this weekend. Gee, that's a big game on the road, of course. And then they've still got uh, the Brisbane Lions and Adelaide to come in the next five weeks. Yeah. You mentioned, you said, I said, Caroline, you work with Damo. Why does he hate the Hawks? 
What? Just as Riley, an aside. Riley, why does he hate the Hawks? That's a question you could ask him. I wasn't aware of that. But... They, don't they done something to him personally? <laughs> by, by the way, just can I just get back to Gold Coast for a second? You'd want to, whether or not it's Stuart or someone else, you'd want to be coaching this group next year because they're three academy guys yeah. they've got coming through at the end of this season. Yeah. They're going to be absolute stars. Tell How us about that big they? forward. Jed Walter. Yep. He's, I've never seen someone who's 196 centimetre key forward. He's as big as you, Derm be able to run as well defensively as he runs. He, he's an absolute menace on the field. So, and what's his, his strengths? Has he got sideways movements? Has he got pace? He's, or is he's he a just contested clunker? marking, clunking beast who can follow up on ground level. He runs hard defensively. They've got Ethan Reid, who's got some Luke Jackson assets to him as a ruckman. Has any club had to match three first-rounders before? Oh, no, I and don't I, think so. And I'm assuming they, I mean, one they definitely all, is, they but could, whether the other two... Just speaking of clubs this week, they could all be top tens as well. Wow. So they're going oh. to they're gonna have to find some points to match the bids. Could be oh, Roughhead, so Franklin, Lewis. Oh, what, what's, the, what's the positive for Gold Coast making finals? Because if they make finals, they can yeah. only get two of them. Is that correct? Well, yeah, that is correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting back, if I'm Mark Evans, I'm sitting back going, Dewey, you're safe, but make sure we lose enough to come ninth. Oh. Because... But no, but you sit back and look, you're building the future of your football club here. This is three possible top tens. If they make finals and get kicked out first round, they lose a top ten pick. Well, you, you want to be around the coach. You are born shifty, Hodge. You are born under a dark star. That's shifty. I'm sitting here looking at this Gold Coast list now. It's got it in front of me, and they've got so many good young medium. You add in three top ten picks. That could be, as you said, it could be a Roughhead, Lewis, and Franklin. We won a premiership in, in 2020. Oh, sorry, when they, were, when they were 2021. So you add these yeah. to the others. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So hey, we need to think of that. You're, oh, you're nasty, aren't you? Just smart, <laughs> Derm. Just smart. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. <laughs> hey, guys, I want to ask you about Clayton Oliver as well. Has there been a more bizarre absence or an injury story like this? To think he was running two days after the hamstring injury that he, that he copped in the third quarter of that loss to Port Adelaide over there. That was May 21. Now we won't see him until August 11 at the earliest. We had the hospital stay where he left hospital for a while as well and then came back unbeknown to the people there. He had the nasty infection and then obviously the uh, animated discussion with Selwyn Griffith, the high-performance man at uh, KC during the week. They said, no, you're not playing because you can't get to... You, you can't get past 90% of your, your loads and your mm. speeds. Hodgie, you never got... To ninety percent. <laughs> no, well, before before you before you jump back into the ring with Hodgie, I think my my understanding. It's true though, Hodgie, is it? We really got out there seventy five percent or more, and you no, knew that... your opponents were the same. No, you always had a you always had a an aim of about eighty five percent to get to. Sammy, I've got a fair few thoughts on this, but you were about to say something else, Sammy. Just quickly, from what I've been told, when it comes to this source of Clayton Oliver's angst, I think a lot of it was he had to hit a certain speed, a top speed at training, if you like, and. My understanding was he did that, but then they still weren't convinced that they'd seen enough. And I think that was the source of a lot of his frustration. Well, you've asked me to do this. I've done it. Why is that not enough? So, anyway, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of it there. Uh, Hodgie. Because what, a lot of people see the, uh, the argument with the uh, uh, strength and condition of someone Griffith. And do you know how many times that happens? And, and that's the thing. is it, it happens so often. The amount, the amount of robust discussions I've had with my fitness guys because when you're coming back from an injury, you want to prove a point that I can do that. I can do the extra session. I can do the extra hundreds that we have to do. Or I can do this extra drill. And they've got a certain 
uh, amount of boxes you've, that you need to tick, and they don't want you overdoing it because they want you to stay fresh and not re-injure it. So those discussions happen all the time. And the, the Oliver one was a little bit weird because when he first hurt his hamstring at the start, it was only a very minor one where he thought he could have played. He had the week off, but then everything went a little bit jumbled from there because he had the blister where he went into hospital. That obviously interfered with his hamstring rehabilitation, which put him back a few more weeks. But I think he was so close about he was so close to playing the, the Collingwood game a few weeks ago. Didn't play that one and then it sort of recurred or he've had a little bit mm. of awareness of late, which obviously now it's a it's a major setback. But it wasn't just a standard stock it wasn't just a stock standard rehabilitation phase for him. It was a hamstring, the blister in hospital, the infected blister caused a few issues with that, with obviously his back and hamstrings tightening up, not being able to do the proper rehab, which has sort of continued on for this. And I think a big part of his frustration is coming through, Riley, hardly had any injuries, hardly missed any footy at all, suddenly hit with a six-week or six-match absence, so you can understand the frustration. I think Gary Lyon made that point pretty well earlier this week, just that for someone that's never had injuries, Uh. to then see the setbacks and and maybe not understand the, the... the confusion in terms of I've hit these markers as you mentioned Sam and I'm not allowed to play maybe that's adding to the frustration for him personally Oji you're leaving us in a couple of minutes just before you do big team news at your old club the Brisbane Lions so Daniel Rich will come back via the VFL Jack Gunston your old mate coming back through the AFL so obviously that that pair at the source of a lot of conjecture about could they would they should they when will they Clearly, there's uh, some avenues open up through injury, suspension um, at the like at, at, on Chris Fagan's magnet board, and uh, Jack Gudson comes in. Yeah, well, I think Jack, the, he was, they said he's been, his fitness has been out, outstanding the last, last three weeks, the work he's been able to do. And I think the big thing for him is working with the forwards, getting that connection, um, coming into a new side. He hasn't been able to do that as well as he wanted, so that's why they're putting him in, especially against West Coast. Might be a few more opportunities, chances for him to, to guess, on a, hit the scoreboard, but work with the forwards. And I think Daniel Rich, they've, they've found a lot of good quality halfback flankers with Wilmot, Jimmy Madden's coming in, who's been mm. their best halfbacker for the last month or so in the VFL. And I think it's a chance for Richie to, to add, get a bit more match fitness before he comes back into the AFL side. So it's good that they're giving younger guys a bit of a go. They had a few, had about six or seven outs this week with injuries and suspension. So uh, it would be good to see a few of the younger guys get a go and, and Jack joining him as well. Yep, Dane Zorko's been named as well. So we to see how they go from here. Josh Dunkley uh, will miss with that uh, corked calf. Jeez, he hated being withdrawn. He's going to hate <laughs> missing a week of football. Speaking of guys who aren't familiar with uh, missing. Uh, the news of the week for Repco Authorised Service, of course, uh, Penrod Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. Hodgie, we need to, to let you go, old mate. You've been superb. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Luke Hodge there. just to... 15th of all time, <laughs> Hodgie. I, that is incredible. Well done, mate. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. We <laughs> 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 turned him See off. See you, and, See you, buddy. And, uh, and a big advocate for the red card system as well, which, which surprised me just a, just a wee little bit. Hey, uh, yeah, listening to Crunch Time, on the other side of this, guys, we might cast our eye towards today's games. Derm, you've got a good one today. You've got Melbourne and the Saints. Uh, wow, that's got some importance, has it hasn't ever? it? Yeah. Has it ever indeed. Melbourne just left the door ajar for the dogs. They couldn't jump through it last night. Both teams have only won one of the last three. Indeed. It's funny with the Saints, they're fifth and seem to be hanging on. It's a bizarre situation. Keep losing well, they won last week against the, the Eagles, but they keep losing and hanging in. Crunch time. We're on site for Berwick GWM, the all-new Tank Aura and Canon XSR. Spike. 
Welcome back. This is Crunch Time. Sam Edmund with your Dermot Brett Riley beverage as well after we farewelled Luke Hodge, not without a few fireworks along the way as well, which we love. Uh, great to be out here at Berwick GWM as well. The all-new Tank Aura and Canon XSR. I can Derm will just check out that fleet a little bit further before uh, we leave the venue. Mm-hmm. Just having a look at the Canberra Raiders as well as part of Tri July over there, uh, Derm. And um, they've celebrated in Johnny Bairstow fashion. Have you seen the vision of this? Uh, the old... just, yes, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Sucked a few in. I've never seen a line... I don't want to make it all about uh, the bookies, of course, and, and all the rest of it, but the Brisbane Lions we spoke about with Hodgie before he left us hosting the Eagles at the Gabba is a bloodbath thing coming here because it's very rare that you see the line set at 81. I think it was 81 points at one stage. Uh, Brisbane absolutely unbackable. Can West Coast at least make this semi-competitive, Dermot? I always like the West Coast team when Jeremy McGovern is playing. Now, he's an in, and we're sort of viewing those lines and those margins without him being in. He's back in today, and their best player for the season, Tim Kelly, comes Mm. back in. Whether that can sway it, you know, 20, 30, 40 points to the better, it's I think if McGovern plays well, I mean, it's all dependent on how they front up, but... You can't help but think McGovern might be a little bit short of a gallop. <laughs> I don't think his time out of the game, he spends looking after his um, fitness all that well. I think I can picture him sitting on the side of the Swan River with an esky and a fishing rod. Just going, oh, when's this season over? Well, there's no fishing rods up at the GWS at the moment, at least not since Jeremy Cameron departed, but they've won four of their last five. They are doing a lot right. Now, they weren't the better team up in the soggy centre that was Alice Springs last weekend. That was obvious, but they still found a way. They've got a great spirit, a great togetherness about them. The... the uh, the old times, if I can even call them that, the Canelios and the Whitfields and the Kellys and numbers are up year upon year. They've got an exciting band of young talent, perhaps the two best key defenders emerging in the game as well down the other end. And they look like they've got a coach who knows exactly what he's doing to them. Could they? Should they? Could they play finals? Well, they play that, that brand. It's not the most attra- It's not Collingwood-branded football that's, you know, attractive to watch, but it's that forward the pressure, 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 win the ball at the source, get it in, lock it in. And it does allow their backmen a little bit of respite, relief, whereas in the past they've actually asked their defenders to defend one out, and they've been pretty heroic on occasion, led by Phil Davis on those times past, how they've done mm. it. Now they get a bit more, a bit more... Um, breathing time when the ball's locked in the forward half of the ground. But you have a look at their, their team. They've got some very good players. Yeah, my word. Their list yeah. is seriously good. And the big bonus they've got is Kieran Briggs, who's mm. come from the clouds. He's probably the bolter for people who uh, were already existing on a list at a club that they, you know, the club didn't expect all that much out of. They had him as third choice, so he's come on in leaps and, and bounds. Callum Brown's been very good for them as well. He's quite explosive. And Toby Bedford has suited that game that... Um, Kingsley has oh, adopted. Geez. He was good last week running back with the fly. That was a critical outer wing yeah. uh, a moment when he ran back with, with bravery. Well, this is a question without notice. I know they've tabled the offer to 
to big Ari Himmelberg. Uh, no update on that front at the moment, I take it? No, no update there yet. I think there's a few clubs that are still in Victoria that are wanting to know, and especially across town in Sydney as well, that are wanting to know whether or not Harry Himmelberg's going to stay or go. But It's going to go the journey, isn't it? Yeah, one? I think it will. I think it will now. I, I get the sense that... I know GWS have put forward a five-year deal uh, long-term, but... Well, yeah. if he's not taking it and it's a really attractive deal, they're going to struggle to keep him. Do you think so? Though? Is that your read? Do you think... Well, if it's a really attractive deal and you're at a club and you're comfortable at the club, why wouldn't you stay? Mm. You, it, it, you can only say... So let, I'm just, I'll you know what they say in the classics? We, yeah. we want to gather all the information <laughs> and then we'll make a decision. That, that means I want more money. <laughs> um, so let, let's throw a figure around. Let's say it's 750 a year per se. Yeah? Mm. To make you... If you feel that that's your market value... And you're at a car club and you're comfortable, you accept it. But if you don't accept it and it's a really good deal, it means you want enough to make you leave. You, you want at least 100, 150 more. Otherwise, what's the point? Is it all, you make it sound like it's all money, though. Might not all well, there's be. three things you go for. Three things that make you play football. Not make you play football. Three things that make you uh, land at another club. Yep. Uh, opportunity... In yep. terms of... Okay, so we can rule that out because he's got all the opportunity of the world where he is. Yeah. Uh, uh, possibility of playing in finals mm-hmm. and monetary. Yeah. I think. W- the, what the... else would you move for? I mean, opportunity, yeah. you can count in family, returning home, that sort of so for exclusive. Harry, so he's got those three things up. Two of those three apply for him then, don't they? Yeah. Hmm. So it says to me that he's, his manager's going to say, let's get you the best deal we possibly can. We'll make the Giants pay through the nose to keep you or we go to somebody who pays through the nose elsewhere. Mm. So and he's a very good player and that's, that's, he's got one shot at this footy career yep. and that's his right to exercise his, his ability to maximise his earnings. If you're a club term, what are you targeting him as? What are you, if, you're, if you get a meeting with Harry Himmelberg, are you saying you're going to be a long-term key forward or a long-term key defender? Uh, I think you get him both, okay. which is the bonus for a club. So... Um, first front and centre for me is Hawthorne. He'd be ideal for Hawthorne Mm. because they need an experienced defender to take over from Frost at some stage in the future and they also need a foil for Mitch Lewis. So you can go either end. If somebody jumps up and and seizes, you know, Granger Barras, and he's playing forward this week, but seizes a backline position, well, you can throw him forward. If he goes forward and you you look after your backline elsewhere with another rehashed forward, failed forward, (laughs) you turn him into a backman. So that's just one, only because I thought of them through. You're getting somebody who is very good at both ends of the ground. So you... You're really covering a lot of bases with this. And Harry and his management would know that and they're going to maximise his earnings. And the other part of it is there's no rush for them either because there's no better leverage than rival interest. So the, the longer yeah. you leave it, the, the you can't lose, basically. there's no. It probably makes more commercial sense two-way, but I understand exactly what you're saying to them as well. So. But the thing is, what? let's say a wage. Now, let's say a wage of 600000 How and you're comfortable there. How much more would you need to leave? Remembering that once you're at 600, you're going to get taxed 48 yeah. cents in the well, next few dollars. I don't dollars. think it's a one-size-fits-all question, to be honest. It would, it would depend. Well, if you... it's 100, you're only getting 52,000 more. Yeah. 
So you how won't leave. The contract so if you're on six hundred, you're not leaving for seven. What if other clubs are offering him extra years on top of the contract, or that's what you're leaving for? So that's term, what, yeah. that's why you're holding out. So otherwise, if an, a, a, an offer is attractive and you're at your club already, you accept it. Otherwise, you you. You're playing hardball and you really want to mm. maximise your earnings. It's happened before, though, where we've got to this stage of the season the players re-signed. I don't think it's necessarily a fait accompli that if, if someone gets to round 17, they haven't signed. Like we, we look at Dusty mm. in the Premiership year of 2017. That's just one example. It, it happens less often than more often, than doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I would say that, that is a good caveat. But just coming back to terms. Yeah. Nine yeah. out of ten times it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. There are examples. And, 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 and can I tell you a beautiful little story for all the Richmond supporters? Remember Prior to 2007, the previous contract, Dusty was up for about, I think it was around the 2014, 15 mark. Mm. And Dusty was up for, up for grabs. And he met with Leon Cameron. Did the tour of the Giants? Did had a the tour hard hat on, the yeah, famous hard hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did a tour of the Giants. You know what Leon said to him? Because Dusty, well, as we've learned through the years, Dusty doesn't speak much anyway. But he was asking him questions and they were walking around, they were checking out the facilities. And, they were and he said to him, and this is good for the Richmond supporters, he said, uh, Dusty, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And he said, do you love Richmond where you're at? And he said, yeah. And he said, Dusty, go home and play with Richmond. I'd love to have you, but go home and play where you're happy. And so Leon is How a Leon? wonderful man of football. Uh, he helped Dusty make his decision to stay at Richmond. <laughs> and he blossomed and he was always a good player, but then he blossomed and bloomed from there. Your menu today, Derm, has Melbourne and St Kilda on it. This is a big, big game for mm. both clubs, isn't it? For, for slightly different reasons. And, and Melbourne's season potholed savagely over the last month with their finishing in front of goal. So they've gone 8-13, 8-18, 8-15, 5-15 in that haunting loss to the Giants in the Alice last week. And their leading goal kicker the last couple of seasons in Bailey Fritch is now staring down the barrel of a two-month absence or the better part of. How do they get themselves back to being an efficient cohort when they're going inside 50 and converting. Yeah, well, that, it's a risk and reward game, isn't it? And how low scoring will this game be? <laughs> See what it is right now. Zero, zero. <laughs> yes. oh, they'll kick a few more than that one. <laughs> It'll be that at quarter time. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, it won't be a big scoring game, that's for sure. But, geez, of all the teams to come up against Melbourne, with all their queries in front of the sticks, they're coming against one of the stingiest defensive yeah. outfits in the caper at the moment, St Kilda. Yeah, and Melbourne are pretty good themselves. <laughs> Even though they <laughs> lost last week, they, they're still pretty good at thwarting the opposition. Mm. Yeah, so Ben Brown is, is named as the key forward there, but I think his go these days is better served as being the connecting player who hits the wings, and I thought he did it all right last week. They, they are relying on Max to be their key forward, Melbourne. Yeah. If they, if they are going to outmark Dougal Howard and Cal Wheat, Wilkie, they're going to have to do it through... Max Gorn being inside the forward 50. Brody Grundy can mark over his head, but he's, Max has probably got a bit more know-how to get on the end of them inside the forward line. I, I still, Although it can work, I still always look at forward lines who rely on a resting ruckman to kick, to be the focal point. I, I think that's thought with da- fraught with danger because um, it doesn't give you a whole lot of movement, deceptive movement, which runs the opposition back line around and makes them chop and change and puts them out of, out of what 
they want to be doing. So, yeah, it's, it's the way they've got them on paper. I know they'll never line up that way, but mm. they have to do something different, Melbourne, mm. to actually make St Kilda go, ooh, gee, we didn't see that coming. I don't know what it would be. It's an important game for Jack Billings as well today, first game of the season, oh, coming back into the side. Yep. Uh, too, his yeah. career a bit of a crossroads, so it's an important game for him. Absolutely. Well said. They brought Zach Jones back in as well. Zane Cordy, but uh, as you touched on, Max Gorn looms large with uh, the only other key, Ben Brown, in the lineup at the moment. Uh, crunch time is four. You've never, ever seen anyone pour over the fixture doing a bit of survivor research like the great <laughs> five-time day and night Dermot Brown here. Look at him. Just look at the research here. I mean, Dermot's just SEN Survivor, mate. I mean, I'll, we're going to go head-to-head, I feel. B.A. Bugger all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to play that shortly, but first, it's time to have a little dabble. It's time to say hey to the social bet with Dabble. Josh Jeans has joined us for a banter and a bet. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? Jump on the Dabble app. It's a different experience. We have live streams. Of course, you can follow your mates, put on bets, and uh, get your own followers as well. But there's plenty of stuff getting involved in the banter channels, especially the AFL. And there's talks already about all Australians and who's going to make the all Australian squad. And Lord Heath, sure, I want to put this to you. that The, the All-Australian selection needs a bit of an overhaul. And here's what I'm thinking. There needs to be a points-based system so that you qualify for selection. Take the selectors out of it. And have that so that we, so that the start of the season is as important as the second half because you know that it only matters in the last six weeks. I don't think you have any idea what you're talking about. You've just confused me, mate. It's um, it's very simple. If you're the best player in a certain position, then you get to be all Australian. I, for instance, did that twice. Probably should have been three or four time all Australian, but I only did it twice. I do agree with you that the second half. Of the season is important. You, you forget what happened majority of the first half. If you have a really good second half, then you're a big chance of all shame. But Josh, your point system can be thrown in the bin. <laughs> I just think it needs an overhaul because the selectors they always get it wrong, and I've never seen a wingman get picked. <laughs> but if they didn't get it wrong, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. So that's why we. <laughs> that's true. Dean Cox, the best uh, small forward that's ever played the game, <laughs> based off how the selectors pick things. But uh, let's look at today's game. I'm really looking forward to this one. Saints versus Demons. Uh, what are you liking for your same game, Multi? I'm going to go the Demons just to win. And then I'm going to go Angus Brachel, 25-plus possessions. And Christian Petrarca, anytime goal scorer. I've gone the big dogs. Big going on there. I've got Christian Petrarca too. I think the D's losing last week was, geez, they'd be kicking themselves. They really should have won that game. Mitch Owens. 15-plus disposal. I think he can get it easily, but it just depends where Ross decides to play him and how he decides to use him. And I've got uh, the Ds with minus 2.5 points. I think they'll cover that line easily. I had a win last week, so you can jump on my bet. You can copy that. Or you can copy Lord Heath Shaw's bet. Uh, just download the Dabble app, follow Crunch Time AFL, and copy that bet with one click. See trending bets from profiles like Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, The Bev Show, and plenty of others. Get following Crunch Time and have a dabble. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblingonline.org.au. SEN Survivor is for our friends right here at the Berwick Motor Group, uh, home of the all-new Tank Aura and Canon XSR, part of the Berwick Motor Group. Dermot Brereton's here, Riley Beveridge as well. Now, David King, Kingy demanded that we mention this. If we rewind to last week, he tipped the pies to smash Gold Coast. 
after a slow first quarter. And that didn't happen. But the one thing Kingy did I'm say a bit was... like Dan Andrews. I don't recall that. <laughs> like, Kingy did say is that the Suns would fall in a heap and all the heat would come <laughs> on the coach. So we got two out of three right anyway, yeah, Kingy. Well done, Kingy. Riley was robbed by that Dan Houston Whoa. bomb after the siren. Mm. I tell you what, you were stiff there. That, that was, was close. an unbelievable finish from Dan Houston, who's having some sort of a season... As are Port Adelaide, 12 in a row. But who do we like this week, please? Dermot, if we start you with you. You want me first? Who's your, la- who's your survivor, your ultimate? Wow. You guarantee, you nailed on certainty. <laughs> yeah, I'm making a rule. Well, it's sort of semi-been made already. You're not allowed to tip whoever's going <laughs> up against the Eagles or North. Fair enough. Okay? <laughs> Fair enough. All due Hawthorne. respect to the both of those organisations. Aren't that far out of the woods either, I might add. Uh, okay, with that in mind then. Okay, I'm going Essendon to beat the Bombers. Crows. I, I can't believe mm. I'm tipping the Bombers. The Crows have only won two games away from home this year. Can we temperature check? Are you feeling all right? <laughs> Hodge's got sick? me going on all that soft garbage he was on about. Oh, jeez, we got some feedback off that too, by the way. Oh, yeah. We've got a big woke audience, haven't we? We got some feedback off that. Yeah, sorry that we like to play a robust game of footy occasionally and people get bumped. Um, I'm going for Essendon to beat the Crows. They've only won two games away from home and one of them technically wasn't because they beat Port Adelaide Mm. in round three. They've only won one game away from home and that was the lowly Hawthorne by three Points. Yeah, and this is their one and only game at Marvel as yes, well. Yes, and uh, and unfortunately they only get to play the Eagles in North Melbourne at home, so you don't get tested and yeah. and allowed to distort that it, 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 fixture. So they are deplorable away from home, the Crows. <laughs> deplorable. They're awful. They lost by two points to Collingwood at the G. In fact, that's they their were... Be- that's they're still, their best away game. That's still better crying. than the Hawthorne win. They're still moaning about that. Jordan Norse had his <laughs> head ripped off, they told you. He was they dead-headed. Act- they actually played really well. Most other times, they're awful. Riley, they're a six-goal better team at home, I think. That's yeah. Easy. Um, I'm tipping Fremantle to beat Carlton, but with a caveat, this will be a lower-scoring game than Melbourne St Kilda tonight. Oh. Oh, do tell. Go on. Just not very high-scoring teams. Both prefer mm. to play defensively-minded football. I think it'll be a real sort of Arm 55-50 wrestle? type game. Yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. What about at the start of the year when we had all those glorious scores being posted? I mean, we, we, get, do, we get one a week against <laughs> the Eagles. But and yeah. every year we're seduced. It's something about yeah, the start. Yeah, we say, oh, they've put that away. That And then it gets to about <laughs> round six or seven and every – well. Out of 18 coaches, 12 and go, I'm not putting up with this. Yeah, and longer. then the worm I'm just starts this down. Yeah, the worm just starts <laughs> trending south. Yeah. Well, it, it's easier to lose by 10 points in a 50-play 60 game than get done by four goals, 100 and whatever, 10 to 90-odd, 86 or whatever it is. Given the rule that you've just instituted for Survivor, we're going head-to-head then. So oh. I'm going to go the Crows. Do you reckon Survivor. they're moral Yeah, sets? I reckon. I re- I'm a believer. I am a believer in the Crows. And yeah, you also believe in the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. But I, I don't believe necessarily in the Bombers. Improvements made, yes. They've beaten one top eight side this year. That was gather around on neutral territory when yeah. it was Melbourne. They've beaten the sides that we thought they would. They've struggled against the sides that we expect them to. And, and both these two teams in the eight. Yeah. Maybe I'm just seduced by the way Adelaide play when they're up and going because they well, are awfully just, exciting to watch. Hey, if you like you football, you the like long, the way Adelaide play. You took the long handle to the Suns a little while ago. They pantsed them away from home. Did I take the long handle to the Suns? I think so. I simply you posed it on the, the agenda. I posed the question. <laughs> oh. Did you hear this? It was you, on the agenda that was laid do out. You, hang on. <laughs> Beep. 
He goes in a reverse very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I just simply pose the question, but no questions being asked here. I think the crows, I think the crows will stitch up All the right. bottles at Marvel. Okay, and they're my, they're my certainty. They're my survivor. Thanks to the Berwick Motor Group with I'm the all-new tank. Or... Sammy Draper not being there. <laughs> yeah, well, that isn't out yeah. in all seriousness, yeah, isn't it? it is. XRC it part of the Berwick is. Motor Group. It'll be interesting, and I, I don't like the sound of. Um, uh, Riley's prediction there that uh, Fremantle and Carlton will be a low-scoring slog either. We don't like those. <laughs> hey, we've got a question off the uh, text machine here that I haven't really navigated so far today, and we probably should have got to him earlier in, when we were discussing the Western Bulldogs, Derm, and this is your wheelhouse. The role of Rory Lobb and where he sits in this side, that, that they do possess a land of the Giants sort of set up down there. It was a pretty bizarre piece of recruitment, and several months on doesn't appear as though it's got any less bizarre. Lovely young man. He's superfluous to their needs. Seems it, doesn't he? Yeah. A, a lot of times there's a mantra put out there by football clubs when they get to the off-season, they say, uh, all right, we want this player, this player, and this player. And then when that falls into line or seems like it cannot fall into line, they say, we must improve our list. Mm. And then when someone like Rory Lobb comes up, they say, right, we get him into our club. It'll improve our list. And it probably does on paper and personnel. But he's superfluous to what they require. You've been superb today in good form. Thanks for popping in. Oh, took a beating of that. that <laughs> Riley <laughs> Beveridge, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks, thanks for having me. Cheers. It's Tech, off to the Gabba. Brisbane and West Coast. Merciless.